Welcome to another episode of African Couch Potato, the mashup. We are still in Santon and this is part two. I'm speaking to playwright, actor, performer, director, all-round creative arts custodian, Jefferson Chabalala. The first masterclass we spoke about, or part one of this masterclass, we spoke about writing a lot. Now we're going to get into performing. Welcome back, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you so much. The first question. You had a sex scene with Amashe Kumalo. Amashe Kumalo, the amazing, the amazing and talented Amashe Kumalo. So I mentioned previously that South Africa, like flavor of the month is sex scenes. But what I literally liked about your intimate moment with Amash is that it was all in the face. And I'm very big on micro expression because the difference between theater and television is that you don't have to play up Mm -hmm. because you have cameras that can zoom in. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's that scene where you guys are in a makeshift bedroom Mm -hmm. and you're looking at her. She's looking at you. Then everything after that is just sound design of what is happening. Mm-hmm. We never actually see the act. Yeah. Amashe, how was it like, <laughs> I almost said, how was it like sleeping with her, but how was it like <laughs> playing alongside her? Look, man, you know, when you are, when you're on set and when you have like a brilliant rapport with cast members, it's always great to play in any scene. Mm. When, when it's um, an intimate scene, when it's a scene that um, involves sex, it's always good to also be super prepped for that. Mm-hmm. And I want to give kudos to the production team of Big Nunu's Little Heist because they had arranged an intimacy coach mm-hmm. uh, for us just to prep for the scene before the scene took place. So we, we, we had a session with an intimacy coach that was very, very, very helpful um, around boundaries, mm-hmm. around physical touch, around rules. What does one expect? What does one not? What are the comfort points? What are the rules of engagement, essentially? And we had been, Amashe and I had been like really developing a great rapport on set in other scenes and other work. And that scene was shot much later into the film's production. And to still, to, to not imagine, oh, no, these guys are getting along, they'll be fine. Mm. For the production company to go, actually, let's get someone in, let's get an intimacy coach in, let's, let, let's prep these two performers for this so that they are going into it comfortably and confidently. I really commend the team for that, the team at DeBrenta for doing that. And then also to have a consummate professional as a, as a scene partner mm. is so beautiful, man. I mean, so, so beautiful. She was really really present really caring we spoke about the scene at at length we ran the scene between each other at length and then we drew up those physical boundaries those borders and then when the cameras were rolling we treated it like any other scene you know like sensitively with detail but also going okay we have a rapport and we also have a contract between us and and that's why that scene ended up looking the way it did and again with performance and bouncing off other people's energy how much of Big Nunu's little heist was literally on the fly? So much, man. And on the structural fly, right? So we all go in knowing that this is what we're trying to get out of this scene. And then we all do a read of the same scene. Yeah. So even when you're improvising or when you're having a little throwaway, it's not distracting where the energy of the scene is trying to go or what the mode or the beat of the scene is trying to achieve. So people were adding in their own flavor, but that flavor was being added onto something that was already there. Yes. It was so nice to play so freely because the structure of the whole thing was already there. Yeah. The picture was already laid out. So we could jam and we could improvise and we could pull each other back as well and go, look, I like what you did there, uh, but I think this is going a little bit too far. Yeah. Well, that's a cool thing, but not for this particular scene. It, 
it ruins this moment or it, it collapses that. So we're very careful about setting things up, having good payoffs. And, and I think everyone jammed and played, but with the overall view in mind. For your character, Ned, there was a nice reference when they called you 36. Yeah. <laughs> From the old, um, old gold advert, 36, right? <laughs> How was it like getting into character? Because Utetis Kosa, um, yeah? and for the duration of the film, right. Utetis Kosa, there's only like a few lines that are in English. So just that liberty, and also knowing that crew members might not understand what you're saying, right. but they still have to work with it. Yeah. Was it as easy as like snapping in and snapping out of character, or did you really have to figure out who is this character and how do I best embody them? That element was great because Andy was very deliberate about making a South African film, right? And there's a particular lexicon and dialect mm -hmm. in Scott Paula, right? And we're creating this guy who's coming out of not there. Yes. You know, so he's a little bit more heightened. Yeah. He's a little bit more stoic. Yeah. That's what sets him apart from the Scott Paula crew. And I think South Africans, particularly urban South Africans, yeah. have got an amazing ear for yes. different languages yeah. you know whether it's through music whether it's through watching certain dramas people are very amenable to hearing languages that are not their first language mm. and I think the guys in Scott Paula even though they were like oh this Tosa guy they were still listening you yes. know? and the crew was the same mm. it, it gave the texture of the film such a, a lovely melting pot it yeah. gave you like a oh in a township you can turn a corner people are speaking Shizonga turn yes. another corner it's Shivenda yes. another corner it's Tosa mixed mm. with Sutu so, so I think playing this character for me was just like who are the former journeys yes, that yes. that are in my hood mm -hmm. who are the former journeys that i i grew up hearing their tales of oh when i was at war guy guy mm -hmm. when, when i was deployed goopy goopy yes. and now they're maybe doing another job which is not as high a job as the, the one they once had they're doing yeah. something quite menial or something quite quite mundane but they are superior in their training yes. you know they've got like weapons handling they know national secrets yeah. but the guy like drives a car and delivers stoves yeah. you, you know yeah. because of Imeko situation mm. is like that so because I know so many of that kind of person not necessarily from the military but people who were in high decorum in another yes. previous life and then now are doing something else yeah. that was for me what that character was about yeah. uh, and someone who's now having to reawaken that skill set to do something to advance their life now that, that that's what i found quite interesting you know what you're saying now reminds me abo in my time yeah in my time, <laughs> in my time. And, and if you listen to like just not even township stories south african stories ne? Mm. There is like so much that's going on, like the texture. And I, I always say this, um, when you go abroad, ne? Yeah. go to America, you go to wherever, what's missing there for me is the warmth of the language, right? Because English is a very cold language, mm. right? Whereas Isulu, for example, if you say, Hambolala, Abon, we are lala. Mm. Just the different inflection yeah. shows aggression or shows passiveness or shows yeah. kindness. It's is worse because you're gonna have the same word, but depending on how you say it, yeah. it means <laughs> completely Absolutely. different things, you know, like Uze. Mm. You know? Mm. There's like five interpretations <laughs> of just that one word. You know? And I think that's why I'm taken by local production because you will never find this kind of um appreciation for language. Mm -hmm. Moreover, like more than just the appreciation of language, every South African 
She has everything. Yeah. Now Kulma Nomuntu, whether you say Dumelang, Awon Afshin, people are just like, okay, he is greeting us. Yeah. Nobody's even going to ask Kuguti, what do you mean? Bringing that now into your character, was it purposeful? What Kulma that is deep. Because here in Jobek, we don't, we don't speak like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man, I think so. And, and another thing is like, when Tosa people are watching it, they're going, oh, it's not that deep. Yeah. <laughs> right. And 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 I think like the, the tonality choice and the delivery choice was about standing out from something a little bit more colloquial and urban. Yeah. You know, it's like this guy is trying to set himself apart. Um and and if if there's a band of misfits and there's this like super soft villain in Punzununu mm. and then there's the or notch and all yes, their yes. like weird idiosyncrasies what's the polar opposite yes uh, you know and and someone who's a little bit more stoic a little bit more on a rural inclination yeah feels like a distinct enough character from yeah. the rest of the gang so that there can be a counterpoint between Punzununu on the one end delivery man service delivery on the other end yes. and everyone else in between then can like have lovely tonalities yes. they can shift because this one is so deeply defined yes and this one is very very deeply defined mm. so everyone else notch can go wow you know like mm. there's so much more room for other players when the two counterpoints are so clearly defined yeah personally how do you get into character now this is across your work do you have a, a ritual for getting into character or do you just go? I often like to do it with other performers. Mm. So I do believe like in self-prep. Uh, so I, I prep by myself. I read lines. I translate. I, I, I just want to get the diction out of the way. Mm. I, don't, I don't want to have a stumbling block of what I'm going to say. Yes, yes. So like I like to familiarize myself. I, I like to do the technical parts a lot. Mm. So I like to do the walk a lot. I like to do the physicality a lot. Yes. I do the gestures a lot. I do the words over and over and over so that those are kind of like automated. I feel like I can say the lines at any given time. Mm. And then I like to find the voice. Um, after I've gone, okay, I know the words. I'm not going to struggle with the words. Then I get into the voice. Once I combine the voice physicality, and then I want to get into the imagination space. Yes. But for me, the real kicker is before we roll, playing with the actor I'm going to be in the scene with. Yeah. Because all that work, all that prep, means nothing if there's no relationship. Yeah. I like to have a relationship between the two actors. And that relationship translates to a relationship between the two characters. And and when I see the, the choices that Amat is making in the scene, they inform the choices that I make in the scene. Yes. When I see what that line means to her, it affects what my delivery of my next line means to me. So for me, it's quite technical upfront yeah. and then very improvised and interactive in the actual playing. Yes. Is it possible to draw performance out of anyone? <laughs> There's a style of theater called uh, uh, verbatim. Yeah. This is usually where like, someone would watch a work and completely like it's a mimic basically yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like no like no no sense of variation really it's like really it's a, it's like a master class in copying yes, you yes. know i think you can draw a performance out of anyone if you are willing to shift genre so i think range is what you need actors for but performance is what you need anyone for yeah so so you can you can have someone as someone who sits down and watches quietly, yes. you know? Yeah. But like when it starts coming to things like accent, 
tone, yes. volume, mm. characterization. I don't think that's an every or any one thing. Yeah. There, there's an element of training that needs to come in. Yeah. So like in a kind of like documentary, mockumentary, you can get someone to appear as themselves. Mm. You can get like someone to do a bad version of what you need. Yes, you know? yes. But like if you if you're looking to get someone to execute things expertly, yeah. that's when you start needing a performer, a trained performer, yes. an experienced performer. What is your take on child actors? Ooh. From what age? <laughs> From any age. Because for me, whenever I see a child actor, let's say it's like a 12-year-old or right. like an 8-year-old, mm -hmm. it baffles me how they can execute that given character. Like if you watch Annie, right? mm. my daughter's obsessed with Annie. And I keep watching the lead girl and I'm like, does she go home and dream about scripts? You know, like, <laughs> where's your childhood? Like, what is your take on... on kids performing and you think one it's easier to draw that performance out of them or do you think they have to work 10 times harder than the normal adult this is where the talent uh, nugget comes into play mm. i mean in my previous response i just spoke now about training i just spoke now about having a professional performer right and there are people that are born with things yes you know there are people that have gifts mm. there are people that are uh, naturally talented yeah and like i feel like usually when people learn of a child's talent it's usually nurtured yeah and in the more kind of like pragmatic skills like if they realize quite early this child is like a virtuoso mathematician mm -hmm. usually they're like put that person in they upgrade them they put them in different schools they introduce them to professors yes. like this kid is a math whiz yeah. something in his brain just works chess virtuosos uh people who are great at violin yes and i think some people have that for acting yeah some people have that for performance there are children who just have a natural acumen and natural knack for it yeah and i think as long as it is practiced with parental guidance as long as it's practiced healthily, as long as, like you're saying, that child's childhood is not taken away. Mm. As long as that happens, it's the same as a brilliant soccer star, mm. a brilliant rugby player who you go, oh, we've noticed that this kid has got a talent. Let's put them in a great team. Yes. Let's get them a coach. Or oh, this kid is great at piano. Let's put them with a great teacher. This kid is a talented actor. Take them to drama clubs. Yeah. Take them to drama groups. Or there's an opportunity for them to perform. Is it is it with a professional company? Will they be well taken care of? Will it balance with their school and their everything? So I think, I think my opinion is that as long as it's done well yeah. and as long as it's not to the exploitation of the child, I think people should be allowed to nurture their God-given talents early. Yes. What is your contribution to the arts? Wow, wow, wow. Oh, Gino, you're coming with the big files. <laughs> I was making um, a, a keynote-ish address yesterday yeah. after one of the performances of the play that's currently running. And as a student, mm. I remember finding it very difficult to stage, as part of my directing exam, contemporary South African texts by playwrights who look like me, yeah. who write about people who look and sound like me. Yes. And that used to be an issue for me, that I can't find plays about black politicians. I can't mm. find plays in Stamto. I can't find game shows that do like Casilingo. And the fact that after a decade of my practice, I have heard numerous schools, 
numerous arts training schools use monologues from KKK for people to graduate. There are black actors, mm. black actors in training, who are choosing texts from Mecca Slam mm. to perform as part of their scene study because they say that work speaks to me. I understand that yes. work. I know what this writer is talking about. To have left a contribution for a gap that I identified as a student, for me, that feels very fulfilling. Yeah. For me, that feels like, man, a young actor, a young director can pick up Congolese commanding commissars, can pick up Eka Slam, can pick up Poetotype mm. and speak to a version of South African blackness and still make heightened text, still make a good scene, still offer a great artistic contribution. Makes me feel like what I've imparted onto the game is I'm proud of yeah. and, and I'm happy about. Yeah. Going back to performance, ne? when do you decide that it was good enough? So as a character that you play, you have several takes. Right. At which point do you say it is done? Okay. Earlier when we were talking, I was talking about how the play was published five years ago mm-hmm. and I recently did a, another a draft and a cut. Yeah. Just last night, <laughs> again, after <laughs> watching the play at the Market Theatre, the entire cast came to me and said, we got it. That is dope. That <laughs> they, is too dope. They premiered in Makanda at the National Arts Festival yeah. about a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. They've been running now for the past two weeks. And just yesterday, they say they they got it. And, yeah. and, and that's them agreeing across each other as an ensemble yes. to say, we finally have our performance. Yeah. And I think now that they finally have their performance, now they're going to start performing them. <laughs> <laughs> So they're going to have another show where they go, oh, now that we have it, this is the best version of the thing oh, we yes. have. So, so I, think, I think your first performance must be ready yeah. and must be presentable and must be of a high caliber. And then when you have the luxury of continuously performing, mm. that's when you refine it. Yeah. I think on the first day on set when you're doing a film, by that time you must kind of like have your chops in order. Yeah. But as the film progresses because you're doing scene after scene after yes. scene, you must be finding things that make yes. the thing even much, much stronger. And I think that sad saying that like you're only as good as your last performance is true only in part where the scene stops or the act stops when you are not doing it. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the best version of the performance is happening when you are currently performing because you are performing with the archive of memory, with everything you've done, with how it's been before, and all that collected information is what you are presenting now. Yes. And and I think there are things that we refer to in the theater as locking it, mm-hmm. you know, like, okay, let's lock the yes. let's lock the performance now. We've we've explored, we've played, we've done, etc. But like now let's lock it so yes. that it's kind to everyone in the process. You don't want your sudden spur of inspiration today to make you perform in a place that is not lit mm. because you're compromising the lighting designer. Yeah. You know, you, you don't want to say the line in a different inflection that compromises what was rehearsed yes. because you're compromising your, your fellow actor. So I think you'd start to lock performances where you feel like the whole ensemble is now tight, yeah. where you feel like everyone has been giving it their best effort and we've given everyone ample rehearsal time and now we can lock a production and go, okay, this is the production. You can improve, you can play, you can have nuance, it can keep growing, but this is the locked performance. Yeah. What is the play called? The play is called Congolose, Commanding Commissars. Okay. Um, it is playing at the Market Theatre and then if there's extended seasons we'll be back on this podcast to say hey, Couch Potatoes, come sit um, over at the couch of the theatre. 
like big English. You know, like I, I think one of the things I admire about you is that for me, it, it's okay to communicate, ne? but to communicate properly is an art on its own. And you are intentional with your words. You are intentional with the language that you use, the tone that you use, the delivery, the style. People use the word authentic a lot, <laughs> which one is great, but it's also quite limiting because what is an authentic Kosa person? Right. What is Movenda who's authentic, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. When you build a character, right. when you write your character and then you now share with your the person who's going to be acting that character, ne? how important is it for that person to interpret it in their own version without losing the essence of Leo's character. Mm. That's amazing. So, so this play that's currently running is being directed by completely different directors. Yeah. Um, so the theater duo, Billy and Masati, mm -hmm. are the directors of the play. Um, Big Nunu's Little Heist, yeah. you create this character, but you're taking notes from Andy, the admiral. Yes. You, you know, like you're, you've made a choice about what this world is for your character, but like the person who's guiding you is giving you the notes to take you through it. I think the reason it's that way is is so that co-authorship can begin. Yeah, I think we always have to think about the words that are on the page as an offer. Mm -hmm. and, and not as a finality. Yes. You think about the text as an offer. You think about the world as an offer. Meaning, if that offer is taken and somewhat subverted, yeah. you can enjoy that subversion because you're like, oh, that's how that person sees it. Um, you could write particular lines about someone's skin tone, mm -hmm. but the actor who was cast in that role is of a different skin. Yes. You could write about someone's weight and the, the way that person is cast is of a different weight. Yes. The, the play that we have right now is for five men, but it's currently being performed by four mm -hmm. men and a woman. Okay. And, that, yeah. and, and the words are not changed. Yes. The woman still plays the character as written as a man, yeah. which is what the theater can afford you. Yes. And screen is a little bit different when it comes to that. So I think to go to those bigness of the words, that's just for technical proficiency. Okay. It's to give actors something to chew into. Yes. It's to give them something to layer around. Yeah. Because also in our country, we are very exposed to pedestrian text because we're a soapy country, right? So we, we watch daily dramas and in daily dramas, the diction and the text is very similar to how we talk. It's very lay. So it's always, hello, how are you? How was the day? Topic at hand, discuss topic at hand, cut to next scene. Hello, how are you? Tension at hand, shout about tension at hand, next scene. Whereas in the theater, because we've got that one hour in a film, because we've got this one hour and 30 minutes, you can do something a little bit more heightened. You can make audiences' ears sharper a little bit. And if there's complexity in rhyme, in talk, in tone, it, it draws us in a little bit more as an audience because it, 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 it strays away from the regular pedestrian. It's almost like you don't want to watch a film and feel like you're catching up on a soapy omnibus. Yeah. You, you know, you don't want to be sitting in a play and feel like, ah, oh, man, this could have been, I could have spent my time on TikTok. 
Mm. Or I could have had this playing in the background. You want the thing to be of a creative charge. You want the thing to to draw you in. You want to feel like if I like move away for a while, I'll miss out on a bit because every line, every text, every delivery is that charged. And I need to be at the edge of my seat in order to keep up with this because I'm going to lose it if I don't. And that's why I think I invoke higher language, higher poetics, create bigger pictures because I only have you for an hour and a half. I only have you for an hour. So I want it to be so visceral that you feel like you experience something. I don't want it to be too pedestrian. Then you're going to feel like there's no difference between me sitting in my couch at home yeah. or being at a play or watching a specific feature film. Parting shots? Train. If you care about any creative vocation, try to get some training. You might not train formally, but study, you know, read extensively, join groups that you're interested in, be completely obsessed with being absolutely good, yeah. like find people who are better than you and ask them more questions than they care to answer. Yes. Ask who's doing what, shadow them, visit their sets, visit their, their lighting booth. Always be in the pursuit of someone better and something better and surround yourself with people who are better. And this is not just even for an artist, yeah. just for life, yeah. <laughs> just for life. Like whatever practice you're in, find like mentors who don't even know that there are mentors in it and find yourself in their circles and just like drink from their well of wisdom. Yeah. Sometimes you can just do so by watching. Thank you so much. Um, that concludes our masterclass with Jefferson J. Bob. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has much, been much so great. Where can people follow you? Where can people find you? I'm available on all social media platforms. People can catch me on Instagram at Jefferson Chabalala, on Twitter at JBob's Chabalala. If you're still on Facebook, Jefferson Chabalala is there as well, at JBob's on TikTok. Thank you. And we are at African Couch Potato on all social media platforms. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Gino Shedile signing out. Mm -hmm.